Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Now guys, we're, we're halfway through our study in the book of Philippians. We are basically looking at the whole issue of the struggle for joy, practicing, pursuing godliness in our lives, and, and we've entitled it The Struggle for Joy because of the fact that that is the reality of the Christian life. The Christian life isn't rosy. The Christian life isn't perfect. The Christian life isn't always having a great time and everything going wonderful. The Christian life, if we are honest with ourselves, is a struggle. Sometimes it's all you can do to get through the day. And it's rough. And that's what we see as kind of like a theme going through Paul's letter here to the Philippians. It's written by someone, the apostle at this point when he's writing, is in prison himself. And we're not talking a county jail here. We're talking a Roman prison. And he is talking to us, and he's going to tell us again today, to have joy. To have joy in our life. To rejoice. In fact, I'll be honest with you, three specific times does he tell us in this letter, we're going to look at the second one today, to rejoice. To have joy. And the concept of joy is mentioned at least eight or nine different times throughout the whole letter. So joy is a big thing to him. And you say, well, wait a minute now, you just told me that the Christian life is a struggle, that it's not easy, and now you're telling me, he's telling me i got to have joy? That doesn't make any sense. Well, we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about the whole concept of having joy. But we're also going to talk about that we need to watch out. And really, that's what the heart of the message is is that as we're pursuing joy in our life, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful in your Christian life. And we're going to talk specifically about why you need to be careful. So let's look together. We're just going to look at three verses today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 of Philippians chapter 3. And then I'm going to break it down for you so we can see some things here. Notice what he says. He's introducing a new section here. He says, Finally, my brethren... Rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these three verses... And we're actually going to have three sections here. We're going to see, first of all, the encouragement. We see that in verse 1. We're going to see the warning in verse 2. And then we're going to see the reality that you and I need to understand about our Christian life, about your walk with Jesus in verse 3. First of all, we're going to look at the encouragement. Notice what he says there, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, But for you, it is safe. We're going to see several different things here I want you to focus on. Number one, first thing he tells you is this. Find your joy in Christ. 
Find your joy in Christ. Now, let me just go ahead and explain this to you so you understand. When we start out this series, I made mention of it to you. I want you to understand it again because it's been several weeks since I last talked to you about it. When we talk about joy, we are not talking about happiness. When we are talking about joy in your Christian life, in your life, when you're walking around, we are not talking about happiness. Now, happiness, we understand that because everybody thinks we need to be happy. And we are at certain times. Like, so, for instance, we're going to go to the picnic. I'm going to get my big plate. I'm going to have a couple of big cheeseburgers there, some beans and some chips and whatever else that looks good to me. And I'm going to feel happy. All right? Some of you are going to feel happy, right? But it's only for what? The moment. Some of you are going to play horseshoes. And some of you are going to whoop up on somebody today in horseshoes. You know you are. Okay, you're just being calm here. You're just being collective. You're, you're not wanting to show your hand. You're not wanting to say, I'm tough. I'm it. And, and you're going to win today in horseshoes. And you're going to feel what? Happy. But it's only for what? The moment. Because the next game you might lose. And you won't feel happy then, right? Happiness, as we define it, is fleeting. When we talk about joy, we're talking about having joy even when you don't feel happy. We're talking about having joy even when your life seems upside down. Even when the circumstances are against you. Even when everything seems wrong, you can still find your joy in Jesus. See, this is what he's talking about. He's, he's telling us right off the bat, he's starting a new section here, and he's saying, look folks, you rejoice in Christ. You rejoice in Jesus. You find your joy, even in spite of all that you're going through, in Jesus. And your joy will sustain you far more than your feelings of happiness will. You know what I mean? I mean, if you had a rough night sleeping, like I had a rough night sleeping last night, my back was all out of whack. I feel for Lori when that happens because I'm just tossing and turning, keeping her up all night. I don't wake up in the morning feeling happy. I feel like a bear. But you know what? You can still have joy in the midst of that. Because my joy is not in how I'm feeling. My joy is in something far deeper, which is Jesus. So that's the first thing here. So here's what he does then. He tells us something else here in this verse. Here's the second point I want you to see. We have to be continually reminded of this. Look at what Paul says. He says, For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. It's not tedious. It's it's not a bummer for me to keep bringing this up to you, he says. Why? Because you have to be constantly reminded to find your joy in who? Jesus. Do you understand what he's saying here? Why do I have to be constantly reminded? So think about this. Okay, so, so you're reminded right now about find your joy in Jesus. We're going to go to a picnic. We're going to have a great time. You're going to go to bed tonight. Tomorrow is Monday. How many of you are looking forward to Monday? Because you got to go back to work. 
So think about what the week is holding for you that you know of. And for a lot of you, you have no clue what the week holds for you. Guess what? By Friday, you think you might need to be reminded to find your joy in Jesus? Especially if you've been beat up on all week. Did you understand what I'm saying? Just the circumstances, some of you maybe have to be reminded tomorrow. Maybe even tonight. See, this, this is what the Apostle is saying to us here. He's saying, we have to continually be reminded of this. That our joy, our joy in our Christian life is found in who? Who, folks? Jesus. Our joy in our Christian life is found in Jesus. So we have to be continually reminded of this. And here's the third thing he's going to tell us here. Just in that one verse. It's a safeguard. What in the world does that mean, George? Well, the reminder provides a safeguard for us. You continually being reminded, continually having it brought up to you, that your joy isn't found in what you're doing. Your joy isn't found in, in what you accomplish. Your joy isn't found in how big your bank account is. Your joy isn't found in how good your health is. Your joy isn't found in your friends. It isn't found in your family. It isn't found in how wonderful everything's going because we all know that it can change. Your joy isn't found there. Your joy is found in Jesus. That will guard you. That will safeguard your life because it's so easy when we get distracted from Jesus to be wiped out, to be discouraged, to begin to question things. Well, God, do you even love me? God, do you even care for me? Because if you did, why is this happening to me? Folks, it's happening to you because that's life. But I'm going to find my joy not in life, not in what I can accomplish because the reality is I can't accomplish it all. I'm not going to find my joy in the approval of others because I'm not going to make everybody happy and not everybody's going to accept me. I'm going to find my joy in who? Jesus. That's the point he's making here. So he's saying here, the encouragement is, find your joy in Christ. And listen, be continually reminded of that. Be continually reminded of that. And that's going to guard your heart. But then we get to verse 2, and when you read verse 2, it's like, what in the world is he saying there? Let's look at verse 2. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. So first of all, you're saying, well, I'm a dog lover. What in the world is he talking about here? Here's what he's talking about. We're to beware of those who would steal that joy. You're, You're to find your joy in Jesus. But you need to beware of of people who will try to steal that joy from you. All right, let me just stop for a moment, because maybe help you to understand what that joy in Jesus is first, to understand what it is. When you have joy in Christ, here's where that joy comes from. The joy comes from knowing that no matter what's going on in my life, my acceptance with God, has nothing to do with me. My acceptance with God has to do with the obedience of Jesus Christ going to the cross to die in my place. And that I am now reconciled or accepted with God because of Jesus. 
And so now I have forgiveness. Not because of me. Not because I did the right stuff. Not because I went to the right school. Not because I went to, came from the right family. Not because of my circumstances. Not because of any of that stuff. How big my bank account is. How often I went to church. How much I gave. Not because of any of that stuff. My acceptance with God has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And let me tell you something, folks. When you begin to realize that He accepts you in spite of you, in spite of your failures, that He loves you, that brings joy. You know what I mean? Now, let me, let me help you. I'm going to bring it down to a human level to help you understand. Uh, Lori and I have been married now. Uh, 21 years. So about 22 and a half years ago, when I realized she liked me and accepted me, that brought me joy. I was like floating on the clouds, buddy. The joy. You think about it when your sweetie was, when you realized that your sweetie liked you. There was joy, wasn't it? Well, because they accepted you, warts and all. Well, they didn't know all your warts yet, did they? Hey, God knows your warts. He knows everything about you, and He still accepts you. So even when you're in the midst of it, you can have joy. That God loves you. You can have joy. Now, what Paul's saying here now is, is he's giving you and I a warning. He's saying, you've got to be careful. Because whether you realize it or not, there are people who will steal that joy from you. And, and, and they don't necessarily know they're doing it. They maybe even think they're trying to help you out. But the reality is, is that there will be people who will come along, even with their good intentions, and they will come along and they will try to rip that joy away from you. So you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. You've got to be careful because not everybody who comes along and says they're a Christian really has your best interest in heart. You gotta be careful. What do you mean, George? What do you mean? Well, notice what he says there. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers. That's talking about those who would steal that joy. But he makes another phrase here. Beware the mutilation. Now, what in the world is that talking about? Well, let me give you the point here and I'll help you to understand. They will insist on doing things for God's acceptance. So let me help you to understand what the mutilation was. At this point in the church's life, this is before A.D. 70. A.D. 70 is a pretty significant turning point in church history. That's when Jerusalem fell to the Romans. Up until that point, the church was primarily made up of Jews with Gentiles. After A.D. 70, uh, the church becomes primarily Gentile. But before A.D. 70... It's primarily Jewish. And so what happened was, is so this letter is written before AD 70. 
the heresy or the false teaching that was infiltrating the church at that time was, is that some of the Jews who came to Christ still felt that you needed to, as Gentiles, needed to perform the Old Testament laws. You needed to keep the new moons, you needed to celebrate the festivals, and if you were a dude, you had to be circumcised. Ouch. And you had to do all that stuff in order to be accepted by God. Basically, they felt that you had to act Jewish. You as a Gentile, used to eating your bacon, had to now act Jewish in order to be accepted with God. And so they were beginning to pervert the message of the gospel, which is what? That Jesus accepts you in spite of you. And so all of a sudden they're coming along and they're imposing on you all of this stuff that you've got to do. You say, well, okay, well, how does that rob you of your joy? Well, there's a simple phrase, actually it's a verse in Acts, when they had the discussion at the Jerusalem Council about this issue. Peter gets up and says to his fellow Jews, why are we wanting to impose on these Gentiles what we ourselves cannot keep? Why are we wanting to impose all of this rule stuff on them when we ourselves can't keep it. The reality is, is you can't keep it in and of your own strength. You can't do everything right. And then the realization hits you that you can't, and guess what goes out the window? Your joy in Jesus. Because once again, you're defeated. See, the things he's talking about here... what we need to be aware of these people who would steal our joy from us is that they will insist on doing things for God's acceptance but again can I remind you God accepts you because of you is that true? no it's not that's a trick question I stumped you he doesn't accept you because of you aren't you glad? He accepts you because of who? Jesus. What Jesus did on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice. He satisfied God's wrath. So when you've got somebody coming along and saying, well, you know, that's wonderful that you believe in Jesus, and that's wonderful too, but here's what you got to do. you got to wear a certain type of jeans on Sunday morning. If you don't wear those jeans, you're not going to be accepted. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. You can't go here, you can't do that. You gotta read your Bible so many times a day. You gotta pray this many times. Think about the stuff that we place ourselves in bondage to. Like for instance, if I were to ask you right now, how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? Some of you would say, not good. And I would say to you, why are you not doing good? And you would say to me real quickly, well, it's because, well, I haven't, I haven't prayed in a few days. I haven't read my Bible. I, I, you know, last Sunday I wasn't here. That's because I went somewhere else. And we had fun, but I know it was wrong. 
Really? Do you see what I'm saying? You're defeated and thinking that God accepts you because of your what? Actions. But doesn't that just fly in the face of what the reality of truth says? Your acceptance with God has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with who? Jesus. Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Our church is is interesting because we're I, I would label us a grace church. And so occasionally we have people come into our church that come from other churches and they'll they'll come for a while and, and I already know what's going to happen. They're not going to stay. Because they get uncomfortable. What do you mean they get uncomfortable? Well, they get really uncomfortable because after a while they'll start talking to me about, well, don't you think we should dress our best for Jesus? What does that mean? Well, if you're going to appear before the king or the president, you would dress in a suit. Don't you think we should dress that way in front of Jesus? I already know where that's going to go. They're going to be mad at me when I tell them my answer. And don't you think we need to do this? Or don't you think we need to do that? And, and the thing is, is that they have been trained. They have been trained. Bless their hearts. They've been trained to think in terms of acceptance with God is based upon what? What you do. So after a while, they can't hang, handle it here. Because our emphasis here isn't that. Our emphasis here is grace. And you growing in your relationship with Jesus and you finding your joy in Jesus... So you got to be careful of those who what? Will insist on doing things for that acceptance. Now, let me just stop for a moment because i got to qualify it. Here's my next point here. The things here refer to religious acts. The things here refer to religious acts. So what I mean by that is this. There is a difference between obedience to God's word and obedience to religious acts. What do you mean, George? Well, I'm not saying that you need to be careful of the guy that says, don't commit adultery. That's what God's word says. But what I'm saying to you is, is you've got to be careful of the guy that comes along and says, you need to carry the right Bible in order to be accepted by God. You need to have the right hairdo. Or you need to have no facial hair. Or you need to come to church barefooted. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there, there are extremes on both ends in churches today. And the reality is, is that when I talk about the things here, the things we're talking about here are religious acts. Acts that we do that are religious for the purpose of what? Getting acceptance from God. So you've got to be careful, because when you fall into that trap, and I've been there, folks, I have been in that trap. When you fall into that trap, guess what's missing from your life? Joy. The joy that you have in Jesus. The joy that you have in Jesus. So here's what he does. He comes to verse 3 now, and he's going to share with us, let me just share it with you real quickly here, he's going to share with us the reality that you and I need to embrace. Here's the reality. And he says it this way. Look with me at what he says in verse 3. For we are the circumcision, who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice 
in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Three things. Number one, believers are the ones who are set apart. See, it's not your actions that set you apart. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, we used to say those kind of things. I mean, you know, remember, we, we don't do certain things. We don't go to certain restaurants so that we have a testimony. Ever heard that? So you have a testimony before the world. So that you set yourself apart from the world so that, so that they could see that you are what? Different. That's not what he's talking about here. That's all the religious acts we do. What he wants to say here is, look what he says, we are the circumcision. What does that mean? He says, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already set apart. You're already different. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a new person in Jesus. Your heart has changed. Your mind has changed. You're already different. And all it takes is just getting around with your friends if you really know Jesus. And even if you're doing the same stuff they're doing, they're still going to say to you, hey, you're different. Because you don't think the way they think. You don't hold to what they hold to. Your trust is in who? Jesus. So here's what he's saying here. It's the first thing here. We, believers, are the ones who are set apart. Now here's the other thing he says that's going to make you understand we worship God through the Spirit. When you look at that phrase there, verse 3, worship God in the Spirit, it also means through the Spirit. We worship God through the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Because when you come to Jesus Christ, who enters into your life, folks? The Holy Spirit. He's the seal, the assurance, the guarantee of your redemption. Ephesians chapter 1. And through the Spirit, we get to worship Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not because you gave a certain amount of money today. It's not because you showed up. Oh, God says, well, okay, they showed up. I can listen to them now. No. Did you understand what I'm saying? Think about how messed up our thinking is sometimes because people have robbed us of our what? Of our joy. They've robbed us of our joy. Here's the third thing. Look at what he says there. Our confidence is in Jesus, not in our actions. Our confidence is in Jesus, not in our actions. Look, I like the way Paul says it. It's better than the way I said it. Look at what he says. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There he is. He's telling you to what? He told us earlier, five, to what? Have Rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. Here again now. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Have no confidence in the flesh. Because here's the thing, folks. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. I'm going to fail. In fact, hey, hey, hey if you haven't caught it yet, you need to. I'm going to fail you. Don't put me up on a pedestal. Get disappointed because I'm human. I'm human. I'm going to fail. You're human. You're going to fail. Look to your neighbor right now and say, you're going to fail. You're going to say, some of you are like, I don't like that because I'm not. I'm okay. No, no. You're going to fail, but you're a failure. That's really nice, George. You're really building us up here today. No, it's reality. 
And your acceptance with Jesus has nothing to do with that. So you rejoice in Christ. You have confidence in who? Jesus. And His acceptance. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.